0: What's up? I'm B, and whether you're watching this on YouTube or you are listening to the podcast, I hope you are having an amazing day. Today, we are going to be reacting to Bernie Dawn's YouTube video where she is breaking her silence about being sued by the state of Texas. Yes, she's finally talking a little bit more about it we're going to get into it. Before we do that though, I want to hear your win for the week so we can celebrate together. And if you're new around here, a win for the week is just something good or exciting or fun that happened to you or that you got to do within the past week, something you're grateful for and what you would consider your win. Typically, my wins for the week are things that have already happened, but in this case, it hasn't happened yet, but the process of it happening has already begun and That's that. Tonight, I am going to get to eat homemade smoked chicken soup. My husband is making chicken soup in the Traeger for dinner for us tonight, and it's going to be so good. There's so many different veggies in there. There's spices, there's chicken, obviously, and then we're going to add some noodles in at the end. It's just going to be so good. I'm just excited thinking about it, and now that I'm saying it out loud, I feel like a few of my last wins for the week have been food related, but I just love good food. Like, I just just do. I love food, so I'm excited for it. That's my win for the week, and I cannot wait to hear yours and celebrate with you. If you're watching on YouTube, you can leave it in the comments section, and if you are listening to the podcast on Spotify, you can leave it in the Q&A section for this specific episode. Now, A lot has been going on. Last week, I did a video about Shiny Happy People, which is the documentary on Amazon Prime. I had said in the video that if you want me to talk more about Shiny Happy People and look at Paul and Morgan's response to it and all that to let me know. And a lot of people said that, yes, they would like to see more Shiny Happy People content on my channel, so I am planning on doing that. But before we get further into that, I wanted to address Bernie Dawn. She settled. She settled with the state, there's not going to be a trial, we knew this already, but now the settlement information is out, and so I'm just going to read to you from an article from WFAA.com what the kind of most pertinent details of that settlement are, because they explain it a lot more concisely than my long-winded self ever could. Basically, Brittany Dawn has to pay at least $400,000 in penalties and restitution, and That number could potentially be higher if she doesn't meet all of her um, payments, like there's a a payment schedule, so she's not paying it all at once. And so as long as she uh, abides by the settlement and follows the payment schedule, it will only be $400,000, but this is how it breaks down. This article says, quote, the total payment is broken down into $300,000 in civil penalties and $100,000 in restitution. The judgment states she has to pay the civil penalties and restitution within the next three years. The $131,320 in attorney's fees levied against her will not become due and payable unless Davis fails to comply with the permanent injunctions levied against her. Through permanent injunction, the judgment states Davis may not offer or sell any nutrition or fitness plans with personalized nutrition assessments, reassessments, one-on-one coaching, or workout routines, unless she will actually be providing them, end quote. And then further down, it says, quote, another permanent injunction states Davis may not represent herself as having any special knowledge or training to address eating disorders when she does not. Davis is also forbidden from charging a shipping fee for goods or services delivered exclusively by email, the judgment adds. Davis also has to admit to wrongdoing Though the settlement says she was overwhelmed and didn't have malicious intent, end quote. Honestly, I'm not an expert on the legal system, so I don't know what what would be a realistic expectation in terms of, of a settlement for this kind of case but I did feel like that was just like a little bit underwhelming I mean I'm glad that she has to admit fault and I am glad that she is paying restitution and she's getting a fine because when you mess with people's money typically that's when they start to listen that's when they uh you know realize oh this is this is real you know so I am glad that she does have to pay those fines, as well as the restitution. But the thought that she she's prohibited from providing any personalized fitness plans or one on one coaching, unless she actually delivers, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like they're not barring her from conducting any business in the relate like in the fitness or nutrition related field. It's just them saying, if you offer this thing, you have to follow through with this thing. Like that's just kind of what I would expect from a business and a business owner is that if you offer a product or service, somebody buys that product or service, you then deliver said product and or service. And and again, like that you wouldn't present yourself as an expert or having inside knowledge on something when you don't. So it's kind of like, well, that's, that's the bare minimum that I would expect out of a business owner. So that part felt kind of underwhelming to me. But again, I don't know what's realistic to expect in, in cases like this. So I don't know, you'll have to let me know your opinion on the settlement down below. Also, I think it's ridiculous, but I'm glad that they included the fact that she cannot sell digital products and charge a shipping fee for them when they're being exclusively delivered by email because yeah, that's something that she was doing. And so that's like a, it's a small victory because the shipping fees weren't necessarily exorbitantly high, but it just didn't make sense that you would need to charge a shipping fee for a digital product being emailed to somebody. And so I'm glad they put it in there so she can't do it anymore. Now, as far as her most recent video talking about the lawsuit, I did skip over one. The last video that I made about her, we were reacting to her um, announcing her social media break, and she did put a video up when she came back talking about her experiences. I had planned on reacting to that, and then this came out, and so I'm like, change of plans. It's a short video. It's like eight minutes. We'll see how long this video takes, and then maybe I can like watch and give a recap or put some clips in, something like that. We'll figure it out. It'll get discussed eventually, but right now I want to talk about her talking about the settlement because she did this YouTube video and she is apparently doing a five-part podcast series talking about it. Now, I listened to the first episode in its entirety. It was like an hour long, probably. Okay, yeah, so it's an hour and four minutes. I listened to the whole thing And to be honest, I found myself yelling back at the podcast at quite a few points because she says things in there that are just not true. Like they're they're literally just blatantly false. They're false things. And so I don't know if she's going to address them in this video because it's about 22 minutes long. So I'm not sure what all she's going to get to. But one of the biggest things that I feel the need to point out, well, there's two. The first thing is, She said that in 2019 when this happened, like nobody knew her. She wasn't like plastered on everybody's screens. People just knew her for fitness and like that was it. She was just a little fish on this big pond of the internet and then suddenly that video came out and everybody knew who she was, but it wasn't fair because she was like a small target is basically how she wants you to feel is that somebody plucked her out of obscurity and plastered her face everywhere purely for hate and it wasn't fair because she was relatively unknown and she had a small following and she never asked for any of this and like it's meant to make you feel bad like oh my gosh they you know they just they, they did this to this girl who was just like a small influencer barely anybody knew her and now she's getting hate on a global scale right in 2017 she collabed with Shane Dawson Maybe you weren't the most famous person in the world, but you collabed with Shane Dawson. Like people knew who you were. You were not this unknown entity within YouTube, especially. And then the other thing that is even worse, an even worse lie than that is that she said in the first part of this series, of this podcast, that she had a very strict policy of not taking on clients that had eating disorders and she said that people had to sign an agreement whenever they bought something with her or whenever they entered into a training plan with her that they were not suffering from an eating disorder because she did not treat you know treat or provide plans provide nutrition advice for people who were suffering with an eating disorder First of all, like if you follow Britney, if you keep up with the stuff, like you know that that's not true. You know that she promoted herself as somebody who had overcome an eating disorder and could help you too. She was in hashtag ED Warrior, all of this. And thanks to the Britney Dawn Snark subreddit, we have a picture of Britney Dawn selling merch for Britney Dawn Fitness that says ED Warrior. Like, you're telling me, you're, you want me to believe in the year of our Lord, 2023, that you made no claims that you could help anybody with an eating disorder. You said, you've got an eating disorder? I can't help you. You're going to need to seek somebody who's an expert in that field. Full well knowing that you sold merch targeted towards people who had eating disorders. Okay, what, what, what kind of world... <laughs> do we live in? Does Brittany Dawn think Think that she's so charming that people won't just like fact check this? Does she think that people are stupid? Is she hoping that the only people listening to her podcast are the people who found her after her fitness days? Because she knows that's not true. She knows people are watching her content and listening to her podcast and keeping up with her. She ref she references all the online hate she gets and how she's gonna be going after people on this on the Reddit, on the subreddit. So she knows that people who know her past are going to be listening to this and yet she wants to make a bold-faced lie like that and just just expect expect people to believe it or expect it to not get attention i don't know i don't know the motive behind that but that is a ridiculous and offensive lie and you are calling the people who had eating disorders and did not get good results because you did not give them personalized fitness plans. You're calling them liars. You're saying that either they didn't exist or that they potentially lied to you about not having eating disorders. And so if you defrauded anybody who had an eating disorder and bought your plan, well, my policy is I don't work with people with eating disorders. So they must have lied. Like that's, that's the implication of that. So that was really frustrating to me. I wanted to address it because I don't know if she's going to be talking about it in her video. The podcast was with her and Jordan and she's crying through so much of it. And I, at points it did not necessarily feel sincere. I do believe that to an extent, initially her taking on too many clients was not on purpose. However, how she handled it afterwards, those things that she did, they were choices that she made. And so while maybe initially she really did want to help people, At a certain point, you have to know that you're overextending yourself. You have to know that you're overbooked, that you are not delivering, and instead of choosing to address it, you just continued going because you wanted to keep making money, right? So while I don't think that maybe it started out as malicious or intentional or whatever, eventually it did get to a place where the things that she was doing were intentional and so she's crying so much throughout this whole thing and Jordan's saying like everybody makes mistakes nobody would want their mistakes put up on front street you know that's why we call them skeletons in the closet it's because they're in the closet and we don't want people to know and it's it's a lot of like trying to garner sympathy for Brittany but I did not always feel that the tears were legitimate I felt like a lot of it was to give off this idea that she had just made an honest mistake. Things had gotten out of hand and because of her being an imperfect human being, now she has gone through all of this torture and she's had to keep her mouth shut and she's been persecuted. And she kept talking about the age that she was when the investigation was opened and the age she was when she started getting sued as if like, supposed to feel bad that she got sued for doing something wrong because she was in her 20s at the time like if that's the approach that she was trying to take with bringing up her age so frequently it didn't land with me but she kept doing it and so i keep saying like okay well that's the last thing i'm going to talk about let's get to the video so let me actually hold myself to that because i am sure that some of the things that she talked about in the podcast are also going to be existent in here. And before we even get started, I was checking the volume on things and I watched like the first minute of this video and she's crying in it. Like she, I am somebody who cries a lot. I well up all the time. I have cried on live stream before, but I will tell you, if I'm editing a video where I am crying, I will not leave it in gratuitously. I might let some of it stay in so that way I am showing how like emotional I am about something or how upset something has made me because that's me being authentic. But I'm not gonna leave in extra minutes of me crying. And with Brittany Dawn doing this, she's already filmed the or she already recorded the podcast episode. So this isn't like the first time she's sitting down to talk about it, and yet she's still crying so much. It makes me wonder if it's genuine and authentic, or if there is a motive behind the tears. All right, I got my note-taking pen ready to go. Let's do this. I don't know how to start. Introduce yourself.
1: Is that a side pun? Yeah. Okay. Rock it. Just go with it. Okay. You can
0: do this. Hello, you. Brittany, you're the YouTuber. Like, why are you telling Jordan that, why are you relying on him for this? And that was another thing is she would say certain things in the podcast and be like, right, Jay, right? Like, you, you know how many nights I stayed up until two, three in the morning trying to get things for these attorneys. Like, I was trying to work with them, um, like, trying to get evidence I guess to support her case to give to the state and she'd be like what age was I when that happened it's a very weird dynamic of Brittany Dawn leaning on Jordan in ways that don't necessarily make sense especially when you know that Brittany is a very um self-sufficient person I will say she is is an independent person she made her internet presence by herself she did it like she was the face of it and yeah she was married at the time so maybe her husband gave her emotional support whatever but she went out and she did that thing she got fit by herself she started a business she is an incredibly independent person and for some reason she feels like she needs to come on here and defer to her husband with for knowledge about her own life because of the way that she is now presenting herself on the internet because it aligns with a traditional christ-centered marriage of deferring to your husband or leaning on him it's it's a very weird dynamic that i see a lot in these really um, like fundamental or evangelical religious couples is like, I am just the helpless little girl who's here to be your wife and to serve you and to submit to you. And gosh, I am just so silly. I need you. How old was I when that happened? It's like infantilizing the women in these relationships and kind of parentifying the husband, like the spouse that's supposed to be the provider and take care of you is now taking on not a, not a partnership role or a teammate role, but an authoritative role. And I'm sure I'm not the first person to make this observation. Like this isn't anything new because it's what they preach all the time is that he should be the head of the household, but it's weird to see it play out like this. Makes me uncomfy. YouTube and welcome back to my channel. Um, In full
2: transparency, I just had a breakdown because this is probably the hardest video I'm ever going to film, um, I have Jordan here, just for moral support, really no other reason than that, because he's the best husband, so, um, I tried filming this on my own, and I was train wreck, so, he's here to help me, um,
1: <laughs> here I am,
0: um, He's here to help me talk about the thing that I did before I even met him that I got sued by the state for. You guys probably know by the title of this video what
2: this is about. I'm here today to give full context, first to take full responsibility for where I went wrong, for the mistakes that were made, where I messed up, but also to give full context to this lawsuit, um, how my business started, where things went wrong, and how everything came about and ended
0: in being sued by the state of Texas at 28 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to... See, she did it. What does your age have to do with any of this? What's the point in pointing that out? There are a lot of times when I think age does relate to something where... It's like this thing happened to me at such a young age and here's how it impacted me or I, I went through this or I faced this challenge and it was at this age that it happened. So, you know, it was unexpected to have a health issue like that happen to somebody so young. And like that's when I can see age being relevant to the thing that you were talking about. But in this case, she's like, I was sued at 28. Well, they didn't just pull a reason to sue you out of thin air. You were sued for your own actions. So I'm not really understanding how the age is relevant.
2: Try not to get emotional, not promising anything, because at the end of the day, I'm human. And this has been the hardest four and a half years of my life that I have had to Keep quiet and live in secret because I was not allowed to speak up. I was not allowed to say anything about this um, once it was what it was so Just start at the beginning
1: Yeah,
2: Yeah. so
0: I'm gonna take you guys back to Okay again, I'm I keep pausing it. I'm so sorry I'm gonna let her get like a few minutes out after this But for her to say that she didn't speak on it because she wasn't allowed to doesn't land for me because she spoke about it a few weeks ago when they were headed to trial. The trial hadn't happened yet. They hadn't agreed to any sort of settlement or anything like that. I think, in my personal opinion, she addressed it at that point because she couldn't ignore it anymore because they were literally getting ready to go to trial. So, while I understand there were certain things that she most likely could not talk about, certain aspects that she couldn't speak about publicly. To say that she just couldn't say anything, I don't think is necessarily true. A lot of criticism that I've handed out to Brittany and that I've seen come from other people as well is that while we all knew she was being sued, she wasn't addressing it at all, like whatsoever. It was like she was just keeping it under the radar on her end and hoping to to move on without too many people bringing it up to her. And if people brought it up, their comments could get deleted or they could be blocked. And like that was weird to me is that she would just be on social media full well knowing that this is in the news. People know about it and not addressing it at all. Again, not going into details, but she could have for the past four years been like, yes, this lawsuit is happening. It's ongoing. I know you know about it. I just want you to know that while I can't say anything about it, eventually the truth is going to come out. Or like while I can't get into details, this is what's happening and I'm looking forward to being vindicated in a court of law, right? Like I'm sure she could make references to things like that because she did in her YouTube video a few weeks ago right before they were about to go to trial. But okay, I'm going to shut my mouth. I'm going to let Brittany talk for a few minutes, get some thoughts out and then I'll jump in. 2012, um, before I do that though, I do wanna say that I am so sorry
2: for anyone that was genuinely hurt by this. It was never my intention to harm anyone. I started a business when I was young and it blew up and became something that I never could have seen coming. And because of that, and because of my arrogance and just being dumb, for lack of better words, and not let, or letting my pride get the best of me and being prideful and not asking for help, things happened and things slipped through the cracks, but nothing was ever done maliciously and everything is done with as of April 25th. Mm-hmm. Everything is done with. Um, so, that being said, I'm gonna take you guys through where everything started.
1: 2012,
2: yeah. so you can do it. Yeah. So 2012, um, start? I, I was in college and I remember just not having any confidence, being super insecure. I had low self-esteem and seeing all the girls on campus that were so bubbly and outgoing and just confident in their skin. And I wanted that and I had been an athlete my whole life, but... I never had that because I was never focused on like aesthetics. I was focused on being quick, being strong, being powerful, but never like the physical appearance. And so I went on this journey in college after hitting a somewhat rock bottom um, and ended up losing weight, had a drastic transformation, which I will put here on the screen so you guys can understand what that was for context. really didn't even look like my before picture, anything like I looked like two different people. And that was also kind of when Instagram started. So I remember I had shared these photos on my Instagram just to be an inspiration. Literally nothing more than that. I never had the intention of starting a business. I never knew that a business could even come of that. Like that was literally when Instagram first became a thing. And um, I just remember some of my posts going viral back then and girls were asking like, hey, we have similar body types, how did you get there? What did you do? Like, I would love to reach this point. And so I just started sharing my journey. At this point I'd been a personal trainer for quite some time. I was blessed to be under the umbrella of these personal trainers and this gym management and they were just incredible and I learned so much and was just so hungry to learn about all the things with anatomy and physiology and Okay. so I get frustrated.
0: Take a Yeah.
1: How did it turn into a business?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I
0: was, I was so passionate about. Girl, you are in your thirties, talking about actions that, you took. Your husband, who was not there for any of this, does not need to guide you through your own history you're in your 30s you're the youtuber you're the social media personality you are the catalyst behind this write yourself out a timeline to keep yourself on track if needed get yourself some bullet points you you are not like a little baby relying on daddy jordan to help walk you through this this is weird i i get why she is doing it i get who she is trying to appeal to in putting this video out like this but it's just frustrating when you're somebody watching it from the outside like you're not a viewer of britney or a fan of britney you are somebody watching with a critical eye and, and you can see the thought process behind doing it this way it's bizarre to watch it's just weird All of it i was passionate about seeing women reach their goals
2: and feel confident in their own skin and everything I had felt, I wanted other women to feel that too. And so I loved my clients. I still have connections to clients to this day. 2013, I was at home in my apartment so I got this idea to start a website, not knowing what would come of it. In that, I made a website. And I never, could have seen what was coming, um, my business took off and felt, feel frazzled again. Okay. Um, what kind
1: of growth did you see?
2: Yeah. I mean, it became a six figure business within the, the first year within seven years. It, it surpassed, you know, well over a million dollars, um, in revenue. And I think it's that saying, you know, where sometimes your reality grows faster than your perception of yourself. And that was genuinely what happened to me. Um, I was young. I was a pre-vet student, like animal science degree. I, I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know anything about, owning a business. Like I never had an intention to run a business or own a business. I never could have seen that coming. And it just happened so fast. It felt, I remember it felt like a blur. And, um, I was 23. Yeah. It's 23 in 2013. So I was a baby just trying to manage and learn and sorry, I'm fidgeting you guys. Oh my gosh. I'm a mess. My business grew so fast. I was young. I was dumb. I was naive. I had no idea how to manage this business that was now being placed in my hands. And because of that, I didn't ask for help. I didn't know that I could ask for help. I was prideful in a sense of, well, if it needs to
0: Okay, so I'm going to hop in real quick. My first like gut reaction when she says I was 23 I was a baby is to be like you were not a baby you were 23 you were in your 20s however in the past to other people I have given them grace for making dumb decisions in their early 20s like people that I've spoken about on my channel and so I think it's only fair that I extend that same amount of grace to Brittany and saying like yes you were a young adult figuring this business out, trying to, you know, just like make a way for yourself and, and help people according to what she says her motives were, and and build this business. And you just didn't know what to do because you were 23 and you were running a business and it was making a lot of money and it was growing quickly. So I will I will give her grace in how overwhelming that part must have been. And that's where I come back to the fact that I don't think initially, when people were not getting the products that they were offered, initially, I think it was overwhelmed, things slipping through the cracks, mistakes being made, not something that was malicious in nature. But once again, if you want to be 23, owning your own business boss, babe, you need to rise to that level. You need to say, my paying clients, people who trust me with their health and with their fitness are not getting the things that they paid for. They're not getting what they deserve. So what do we do? How do we figure this out, right? You have to be responsible for that. If you're going to start a business and charge people money and, and take their cash, like you need to step up to the plate and figure out how to best serve your customers. You can't just rely on the fact that you were young when this happened as a way to explain it away. It doesn't make it okay. I do understand that I'm sure it was incredibly overwhelming to see that kind of growth and have that kind of pressure on yourself, especially at that young age. But again, you wanted to start the business. This is what you wanted to do. You've got the growth. You've got the money. Now respect your customers and do right by them. Also, this discrepancy could be because of a lack of clarification on Britney Don's part, again, trying to extend that grace. Um, but she says that within seven years, her fitness website had grown into a business that brought in over a million dollars in revenue. In the court documents, let's read directly from the court documents, it says, on the other hand, defendants' PayPal business account records for the beadonfit.com website show at least $1,561,727 received since the account was opened on February 12, 2013, which is significantly more than the $169,736 that defendants identified in their third amended and verified discovery responses. So I'm not sure if this reporting of money coming in was supposed to, like, was supposed to be related to a specific kind of product. And that's where, um, that's where Brittany thought the lower number was okay. But in here, she's saying, like, it was more than a million dollar business. But in here, oh, people only paid me like $170,000 for plans. Right? Like, in, in in most cases, I would say there must be some sort of missing context to this. Why would she report such a low number in this legal paperwork, in these court documents, and then get on here and say that she had brought in over a million dollars in revenue? But because it's Brittany, I think it's just that maybe she was trying to be a little bit sneaky. She was accused in this paperwork later of um, attempting to obscure the truth by concealing relevant facts and documents. So... I just wanted to point out that discrepancy. To be done, I'll just do it myself. I, I just
2: wanted it done the right way. And I didn't realize at such a young age that you can entrust those tasks to other people. I didn't realize that I could ask for help. I didn't realize that I could hire on a team. I didn't realize that those things were part of growth in a business. And I do now. It's a very hard lesson to learn. So 2019 was the moment that everything came to a head for me. The prank? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk
1: about it. Would you like me to talk about it? I
2: can do it. Um. I Yeah. So in 2019,
1: there was a prank video uh, that was put on YouTube. Uh, by someone with a platform, a pretty large platform, Um, and that person portrayed themselves as a father of a client of Brittany's. Um, They flew out to LA uh, where she was uh, the face of a booth for the LA Fit Expo and that person approached her and caught her off guard and accused her of scamming Uh, his daughter.
2: So the expo, when this prank happened, first of all, I was completely caught off guard. My dad has always taught me that if you don't know what to say in the heat of a moment, it's better to not say anything than to say something you'll regret. And now looking back, that's biblical. I wasn't living for Christ then, and that's my testimony, and that's going to be the last video in the series, but it is biblical to hold your tongue if you don't know what to say in the moment. And so that's what I did. And of course that came off as she's being silent because she's guilty and the internet just completely manipulated that entire situation. He was very abrasive. I mean, he humiliated me. We will Leave his name unmentioned because, truth be told, he doesn't deserve any more notoriety than he's already gotten by just having my name in the title of his video. Yeah.
3: Oh so, I got back
0: home oh, from... oh, so he got notoriety simply by putting your name in the title of a video. But again, at, at this time, you were just this unknown person. You weren't a big social media influencer. Yeah, you had a big business that was apparently bringing in over a million dollars in revenue. But like, I, w- I was just a small nobody. People didn't know who I was. And all of a sudden, it was cool to hate me. And people were trying to cancel me. Which is it? We got to pick one way, Britt. Also, the guy who made that video, he's a YouTuber named Cassidy Campbell. I don't particularly care for his kind of content. He is antagonistic. Yes, he was abrasive. I cannot imagine being approached by somebody like that and being called out in such a public setting. like That would be intimidating and overwhelming. But this wasn't just done out of nowhere. This prank, this video that he made wasn't just like I'm gonna make up a lie about Britney and confront her in public and like try and and humiliate her for my channel. In his video he shows existing petitions and shares information about people who have reached out who have been who are clients of Britney's who have paid her for something and then they claim that they did not get it. So again, it doesn't matter that he's like, well, this guy didn't have a daughter. He he didn't even have a, somebody who was related to him, who was a client of Brittany. And so this is so ridiculous that he would do it. That, that doesn't matter. The point of the video was to call attention to an existing problem that other people were experiencing and it is just interesting to see her reaction because again I don't know how I would react in a situation like that whether I was guilty of the thing or not guilty of the thing that I was being you know publicly accused of in this situation but when he says that to her she gets his weird look on her face and she's like are you kidding me and walks away and maybe she said are you joking me or are you kidding me but just her response Definitely a little
1: bit odd. I'll show you a clip. Excuse me, I have a question. Yeah. You look familiar.
2: Yeah. You look like you stole my daughter's money. Are you
0: kidding me?
2: I ain't kidding you. you Yep, you took $200. Hey, this woman took $200 from my daughter. Labor Can I get year. my money back before I file
0: a complaint on her? It ain't nothing with you, but the fact that she stole $200 from my daughter from her fitness plan blocked her on Instagram. I'm
3: going to need you to step out hiding back
0: there, if she can't
1: handle it. I'm
3: going to need you to step out of the booth. All right, sir,
1: because I'm about to call the police if i do get my $200 back. Hey, I'm going to call the police if you don't step out of my booth. Well, I better get my money back.
0: I want to talk to her.
2: Well, you're not going to talk to her.
0: Why do you got a problem with me? You got it's okay because to steal money, sir. You need to calm down. Get a dip. You can get a dip, sir. Come on down. Again, I don't know how I would react, but if somebody accused me of stealing somebody's money, I would be like, "You must be mistaken. Like there must be some sort of miscommunication here. I don't know what you're talking about because I don't steal people's money." That's that's just my thought.
2: California. And pretty soon after, like the next week, that video went live.
1: I think that the, the main thing that the video did that was, um, that was unfair in this situation is the video perpetuated a false narrative that, yeah. that this was, that Brittany was a scammer and that she was a fraud and defrauded people intentionally. Um, the one thing that I know that I can speak of, speak on probably better.
0: You offered a product, people gave you money for that product. Not all of those people got the product that they were promised. And then when they reached out with complaints, they were largely ignored and were not given refunds that they should have been entitled to because they did not get the product that they were promised. So I don't know why we're getting on here and being like, he completely misconstrued the situation. I mean, I do, because we're trying to deflect and explain away our bad behavior. People who have been following her since this happened and since long before this happened, are going to know, you know, not every single detail, but the core facts of what's, what's transpired here. You can't just say things, regardless of whether or not they're true, and expect that to be the accepted narrative.
1: Better than Brittany can, um, is that this situation was investigated by the state of Texas. There was never any proof that she intentionally defrauded someone yeah. or mm-hmm. scammed them. This yeah. was a simple situation of, of business, business outgrowing its capabilities.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, and, and me again, like, once again, the intentional part isn't like the key factor here, whether or not it was intentional, it happened. This is what went down. I hate that we are continually talking about this and like hammering down on that part.
2: I messed up. I didn't hire on people. I didn't hire on help. I didn't ask for help. If I could go back and fix it, I absolutely would because it was never my intention to hurt anyone. I wanted to help women, and I did help women. I had over 5,000 clients, Mm -hmm. over 50, was it 5,500? Something like that. Over 5,500 clients that I helped, and I loved helping them. I actually had one the other day reach out to me, and she was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, and I was like, I do remember you, I do, Um, that I've helped. And so it was never my intention, because where there were hundreds that didn't get what they paid for, there were thousands that that did and they loved the program. And again, it was never my intention to hurt anyone and I'm so sorry if I did hurt you. Were mistakes made? Yes, absolutely. I, like I said, and I probably sound like a broken record at this point, but I took on too much. I mean, I, I was drowning. I I get emotional when I think about where I was and how I had no social life because I worked sun up to sundown pretty much every single day. Yeah. So mistakes were made because of that. I I was burning rubber. I was burnt out. I wasn't asking for help. I wasn't hiring help. And I very well could have because I had the income to do so. And when everything happened um, in 2019, there's so much that people didn't see that I couldn't talk about. I was scrambling behind the scenes to refund women um, that didn't get what they paid for. Even people who even know how to say this like there were people who were photoshopping receipts who were never paid clients of mine who saw the viral video and then good morning america that never knew who i was previous to all this media and all the spotlight attention and suddenly they were photoshopping receipts and i was refunding them because i believed them because they were
1: well that's how that's how in over your head you were was that the business was growing so fast and there were so many clients coming on board that she couldn't keep up with who- I didn't have systems, and I should have, yeah. 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 The part that I'll never be able to get behind or agree with was with the media coverage and with videos going viral about you, there were customers from the early days, 2012, 2013, 2014, that when all of this happened, in 2019 came back after the fact and said, Hey, I want a refund too.
2: Yeah. When we had proof that I had proof that they, not only did they get their program, but they loved their program. I had emails to prove that. Um, I had all the email correspondence that they could have wanted and they got results. So
0: it was truly a bandwagon mentality. And then Okay. So if you have proof for all these people who were your clients back in 2012, 2013, who are now coming to you in 2019 saying that like they want they want a refund because they weren't happy with their results or whatever, and you have the proof of like, no, I gave you what you were promised. And on top of that, you liked it. You got results and you were happy with what you received. Why do you have records of those clients, but you don't have record of people that you sold plans to in recent years, like 2019, 2018, 2017, people are able to Photoshop receipts and get a refund from you because you don't know if they're your customers or not, which I'm not saying that that's okay. If somebody did do that, if somebody was like, I'm just gonna, you know, Photoshop me up a little receipt and see what I can get out of her. That's not okay but i'm struggling to understand how you have records of your customers from 7 years before this and yet you don't have complete enough records or a system in place for your recent customers to verify that they were actually your customers and something that's came up while i was listening to this and also when i was listening to the podcast is her saying that like She was scrambling behind the scenes. She was just trying to get refunds out. She was trying to make it right. People who didn't deserve refunds ended up getting them. It makes me feel like this is a danger of trying to keep things on the down low. Because if it was just like a mere few customers who slipped through the cracks, okay, here we are. I see your complaint. I see what you paid for. You know, let's make sure that this aligns with the policy of like, you know, did I give you the program and you just didn't do it and now you want your money back? Because no, I wouldn't give you a refund for that. But like, oh, I I sent you a plan. It wasn't personalized. Oh my gosh. How do we make it right? Okay. Right. So if it's just a few customers that slip through the cracks, you process the refunds in an appropriate way, or you process the complaint in an appropriate way and you keep ticking. Maybe you hire help. Maybe you scale back your business a little bit. You don't sell as many plans whatever, we can manage it. But I think when those initial complaints started coming in, she just thought that she could not address them and she could brush them under the rug. And then once more people caught wind that they weren't the only person who didn't get results or didn't get that personalized plan and they were being ignored and word started spreading, more and more people started submitting for refunds or going into her inbox. And then you have the video that comes out and okay, now we are absolutely swarmed with these requests. How do we even begin to process this? In that moment, I think the problem was made worse by her not saying what needed to be said. And in my opinion, what needed to be said was, I I hear you. I see your complaints. I know that people are reaching out to me. I am trying to figure out the best way to take care of my customers and so there might be a delayed response, but give me a little bit of time. I'm working through everything to get you the best resolution possible. Because if you address something, people might not be happy. If you say like, I hear you, I know you're complaining, give me a minute and I'll figure it out. People are going to like bristle at that and be like, oh, well, you didn't care before when I emailed you or oh, yeah, now you want time. You took my money, but I'm supposed to give you time. People aren't going to be super happy with it. But I think they would respect her a lot more if she was upfront about it instead of just like not saying anything publicly, keeping things quiet and trying to address things in a rush, in a in a frenzy and a fury behind the scenes because then you make dumb mistakes like what she's claiming she did, which was giving refunds to people who didn't deserve them. So again, she did at one point address it in an apology video, which she later took down. And I think that's why there's so much frustration, from me anyway, towards Brittany Dawn. I don't expect people to be perfect all the time, every time, always make the right choices, never mess up, never hurt somebody else. Like the second you make the tiniest mistake, you're public enemy number one. No, everybody makes bad decisions. Those decisions might be mistakes made in the heat of a moment. Those decisions might have been malicious to hurt somebody else. But if you are willing to address the wrong thing that you did and actually reflect on it and be open about it and be like, look, I I, I I, made a bad choice here and I feel bad about it and I want to make it right, I will have so much more respect for a person who's able to do that than somebody who is just trying to like sweep things clean behind the scenes and be like, don't look over here. When I said no and I put my foot down,
2: they got ugly. And I mean, some of these things that were said to me in emails, like I can never unsee those words. I can never forget that. Um, it was, it was a bandwagon mentality.
1: Well, it was the early days of what we all now know and despise, which is another video that you're going to talk about, but cancel culture. And it's Mm -hmm. this bandwagon bandwagon mentality of, well, if these people did it, I'm going to hop on that. Yeah. And and as a as a business owner, it makes complete sense to me, and it makes complete sense to a lot of people who were involved in this. You can only do so much. Yeah. There's when you start getting inundated with with refund requests, um, you do your best to keep up with that. You just
2: try not to drown. That's the thing. Is like it's it's different. Because it's not a physical product. Like, all of my products were digital. and Well, things were mailed out, like, t-shirts and merch and stuff. But, like, the actual plans were never mailed out. And so, yeah, it was just a really...
1: As a business owner, how do you get your product back?
2: You can't. One of the digital goods. You can't. And so, yeah, that's a whole thing. We we really went into depth about that on the podcast episode, which I'll link below. It's very in-depth compared to this video. One thing I forgot to mention was when this video went live, because it's kind of, like leads into the lawsuit being opened up. When that video went live, the the prank video, um, he, well, I don't know if he did, someone started a petition called Stop Britney Dawn Fitness Scams. And to give you guys context as to the cancel culture mentality, the bandwagon mentality behind this, 15,950 people signed that petition. That was like as of last week, I checked. I had- it's still going? Apparently, I had a little,
0: I know it's ridiculous. I had a little over 5,000 clients. So that. Ooh, you see how she slipped out of tearful Brittany to like, yeah, I know it's ridiculous. Brittany, because she was getting frustrated at this thing still existing, this petition still being there. Ooh, that was interesting to see.
2: That is two thirds of people who never worked with me, who probably didn't even know who I was before this. And that is why ultimately the state of Texas opened up a lawsuit in
1: 2019. When this incur when this occurred, Mm -hmm. the state of Texas received complaints. They opened up an investigation. The state of Texas has the ability to bring criminal charges against someone should their actions warrant criminal charges. It was determined early on that none of this was done maliciously. Mm -hmm. So the folks out there that, think that Brittany's going to jail. Um, Last time I checked, you can't settle a criminal charge outside of court. No. When you're charged with a crime, you go before a jury. You are either found guilty or not guilty of a criminal charge that then imposes a sentence. Um, That can be decided by the jury. That can be decided by the judge at any point from 2019. This was never... A criminal case this was always a civil penalty about the business and the way her business was run and the mm-hmm. mistakes that were made
2: there was should, an actual
1: should it be should it have been determined that this was maliciously done and with criminal intent they would have charged her with a criminal charge that was never done
2: so anyways that opened up state the state of texas cakes. suing me at 28 years old What a wild ride it's been since then. Uh, Four and a half years, it's finally over with as of April 25th, Um, so a little over a month ago. Yeah, so after a nine-hour mediation, we came to a settlement agreement of $531,000. Is there any change in there? Any pennies that I missed?
1: There is the important part of the settlement is that um, the one hundred thirty-one thousand dollars and some change is uh, attorneys' fees mm-hmm. for the state of Texas Attorney General's office. Yeah, four hundred thousand dollars of that is um, what we owe and what we are going to pay back. One hundred thousand dollars of that is restitution for the clients that didn't receive their packages and. of that is what are called civil penalties, which are basically, that's the, the penalty for not doing things correctly.
0: Yeah. I just wanted to take a second to address how they're talking about that she was inundated with hate emails and the reason this got so much attention was like a bandwagon mentality. And sure, she did get a lot of attention after that video went out and there has been um the video by Cassidy and there has been a lot of negative attention on her since then for things that she has continued to do. And I do understand that that can feel incredibly overwhelming and it might be like how do I even begin to address this? There are people sending me hate mail, people t- like t- just saying awful things to me that have had absolutely nothing to do with my business and there's a lot of noise and I need to focus on making it right and I'm just feeling overwhelmed. Like I fully understand how Uh, like difficult it would be to sort through the noise and get to the legitimate complaints just because you are being inundated with DMs, emails, just information from other people coming to you. So again, I want to acknowledge that and say I understand it and I can see how that would be a very difficult task to tackle. However, just because you got hate on the internet as a result of this doesn't mean that you didn't do anything wrong. It doesn't mean we can downplay the things that you actually did because people were saying mean things to you because they heard about you taking people's money and not giving them what you promised to give them because you you were investigated, a lawsuit was initiated, and you came to a settlement that requires you to pay restitution to people in the amount of $100,000. Now, another thing that I'm not an expert in is the law. But theoretically, if we're talking about paying back $100,000 of restitution, and let's just say like for the sake of of an argument of having this conversation, let's say that this restitution is going towards the people who paid the highest amount for your plans. And the highest amount was about $300. If we break that down evenly for clients who paid $300 for a plan, that's at least 333 clients who would be owed restitution in theory. So yes, you you did get a lot of internet hate, but I doubt the state of Texas is going to spend their time on something that is just this like insignificant blip of like, oh, well, five people didn't get their refunds. Just give them, you know, like, eh, yeah, okay, but they're a bigger fish to fry, right? This is at least, in theory, hundreds of people. And Brittany, she said that herself, is that there were thousands of people who were happy with their um, results and with the plans that they got, but there were hundreds who weren't. But, you know, let's focus on the people who were happy with it, not those hundreds of people. Like That doesn't matter because it wasn't intentional, according to Brittany. But anyway, the, the point of all of that is, again, I'm sure it was difficult to have so much volume in your inbox as, as a whole. But it doesn't take away from the fact that the state of Texas found these legitimate issues in the way that you ran your business, and they they opened a lawsuit up against you. Because the impact was significant the amount of people who did not get what they were promised was significant enough for them to spend their time to do that that's the aka the hard lesson learned the hard
1: lesson learned so one hundred thousand dollars of that will go back to clients who didn't receive a program over the course of time yeah so that's the breakdown of the of the the settlement
2: yeah i want to wrap this up by saying that
1: Can I add something for you? Yeah. So one of the really difficult challenges throughout all of this has been, um, Brittany's inability to speak on this because of being involved in litigation. Um, there has been absolutely just ridiculous false narrative spread about her lack of cooperation, uh, with the state of Texas. Um, and just, Failure to produce documents and all of this stuff. And none of that could be further from the truth. We submitted over 60,000 business records, even at one point offered the state electronic devices uh, that had all of the documents on them. There was full cooperation. Yeah. So there's, some folks out there would like to watch a court proceeding and try to interpret legal jargon that's discussed by two attorneys on opposing sides and try to make a determination of what was said and what is happening and thus put forth a false narrative of that's not even close to what was occurring yeah. to even to the point of mediation our uh, attorney had a great working relationship with the state of Texas attorney general's office. Mm -hmm. They, uh, we very cordially came to an agreement uh, around this settlement and it should be noted that our full intention is to pay back all $400,000. I think that uh, I'm really proud of you and I'm really, I think that this video is really important and the subsequent videos will address.
0: Okay, I don't think you need to be well-versed in legal jargon to understand what it means when an attorney says, we've requested these things by this date. We didn't get them, they asked us for an extension. We gave them an extension. By the time the next due date came around, we still did not have what we needed and we were not getting what we needed. We weren't getting responses. And so at the 11th hour, we came like we got a response of asking for another extension. And let's go back to literally the, the thing that I read earlier from the court paperwork, where they said, Defendants have attempted to obscure the truth by concealing relevant facts and documents. Defendants have thus far avoided answering questions or producing documents that would reveal the full extent of their online fitness business and failure to provide the individualized nutrition and fitness training and coaching to consumers, including vulnerable consumers with eating disorders. That's a a ridiculous online rumor. Is that you weren't being super cooperative?
3: Now at eleven fifteen at night, your honor, they also e-filed a um, this uh, defendant's response to the motion to compel. And your honor, we, you know, plaintiff takes some issue with the way that that the that things are characterized as far as the timeline and extensions. you know the factual summary in there is is inaccurate and incomplete um defendants seem to imply that they had made efforts to you know seek an extent a fifth extension and that uh somehow that that fourth deadline was maybe the pl- plaintiff's fault that that the responses were were deemed late uh but it, i don't see any argument at that stage as as, as warranted your honor we know they've already removed their objections from the first amended responses in exhibit g Uh, they waived their objections um it you know the the simple fact of the matter is plaintiff didn't agree to yet another and more continuances you know plaintiff had been waiting long enough to get these documents um you know and then in exhibit g it's interesting in that some of the arguments that they make in this response to the motion to compel your honor is you know, basically saying that in order for them to fully respond to inter- interrogatory number five D and number seven, that they would have to review more than fifty thousand pages of documents and look for information about individual consumers. And it's interesting because this is the first time they're saying that. You know, in that exhibit G, they said they would supplement after they review their documents, and they they would provide a customer list with names and dates. And now here they are at the 11th hour before a hearing on a motion to compel, basically making it sound like, well, the plaintiff can do this work for themselves. We'll just provide them all the documentation and they can can come up with with their own list. Well, that's not what they said in response to Exhibit G. And I would argue that Texas Rules of Civil Procedure 193.2 and .3 make it very, very clear that a party is required to produce all information requested unless the party serves a timely objection or assertion of privilege, neither of which happened in this case.
1: Uh, other things that are completely unacceptable that have happened since 2019.
2: I can confidently sit here today and say that I've learned from this hard lesson. I've learned from my mistakes. I've learned from my errors. I don't know what the future looks like, but I know that from this moment forward, this is in the past. And Jordan just kind of shared a little bit about what the upcoming videos are going to be about. Um, I don't say it lightly when I say that the last four and a half years of my life have been a living hell and it's time for it to be brought to the light. There have just been some awful things that have been done to us that have all stemmed from hate threads, from people that just don't like us um, for whatever reason and that does not deserve a place in this video. But what I can say is that I'm sorry, I've learned from my mistakes, but from this moment forward, I'm moving on. This is in my past. I have every right to move on. It's been almost five years. It'll be five years in January next year. I didn't scam anyone. I didn't fraud anyone. I'm not a scammer. I'm not a fraud. I'm not a grifter. And I'm done tolerating being called that by people online, by news headlines, by articles, by other YouTubers, by other people on TikTok who are really just ultimately chasing this story for clout because at this point it's become a clickbait title. I am I'm so proud of the woman that I am today. I'm I'm so proud of how I've handled myself, how I've carried myself with such grace through this fire. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of myself for the growth that I've encountered. I have faced some hard, hard things at 32 years old. I would
0: not be where I am. I wouldn't have made it through the fire without smelling. like I'm so sorry. I'm like smiling to myself because as most of you know, my husband and I did kinship foster care and to like back in 2021. And to this day, we still quote some of the things that the kids would say to us. And <laughs> there's just one video I have of Monks, the boy, um, where he has like this homework from preschool where he's coloring in an American flag. And he had decided that he wanted to color the stars in for people in our family. And so I have this video of him where he's telling me like which stars for which person in our family. And I'm like, okay, so you have Grammin, you have Grampin, you have X, Y, and Z. Is there anybody else that you want to add? And he goes, hmm, one more. And then he adds one more star for one of his cousins. And so when Brittany's talking about how she's, you know, being called all of these things by hate threads, by news articles, and she's giving the list. And then she goes, by other YouTubers that, oh, one more. In his little voice popped into my head because I do make YouTube videos about Brittany Dawn. And I, I understand the sentiment of what she's saying of like, I am moving on. This is going to be in my past. Like, I'm not accepting this kind of behavior anymore or whatever she's planning on doing to not allow people to say those things about her or call her those things. But... I think at this point, like from my perspective is you did do things that were dishonest in your past and you have a lot of scammy behavior that doesn't, you know, it doesn't smell right. Something smells fishy. And so we can talk about those things like you, you, you did them. Britney and Jordan can't just say that because they didn't go to trial, they didn't do anything wrong. Or because Britney's is not going to jail, she didn't do anything wrong. This is the core issue. This is what the lawsuit was about. And you owe money for your failure to do the right thing at that time. And so no matter what way you slice it, what way you present it, that, that's just the, the facts of, of what's happening. But the point that I'm trying to get to is at this point, I do think there can be a little bit more of forward movement in Brittany Don's online presence. Because at this point, she has agreed to pay restitution and people will be getting money. Does that change her past actions? No, but it is something that has occurred that is in an effort to right the wrongs that she has done. And once again, I don't think people are just like that their character or credibility or reputation should be ruined based on one mistake or a series of mistakes or something that you did wrong. But the public perception of you is going to correspond with how you address those things and how you make those things right. So I do think She's, you know, taking a, a good step in coming to the settlement and agreeing to pay the money back. And I hope that the people who are owed that restitution feel like a little bit of justice has, has happened and, and they're going to get their money. I'm sure that them receiving that reimbursement will not be a quick process. But again, after all of these years, it's something But I also feel like you can say I did those things in the past, that's not who I am anymore and moving forward I'm going to show you, I'm going to do my best to show you that I have changed and that I understand why what I did was wrong and I regret doing it and I wish that I'd made different choices and all I can do now because we've come to this agreement is to move forward. And I don't think she's taking that approach. It's still like, what I did wasn't that bad. And what else do you want from me? I didn't know. I was only 23 at the time. And you can't call me a scammer because I'm not a scammer and I'm not a fraud. It's a lot of downplaying and deflection. A little bit too much for my taste. Like smoke if it wasn't for my relationship. She used the same analogy in the podcast episode of walking through fire coming out unscathed, not even spelling like smoke, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Bible. With the Lord. I'm unashamed to say that because
2: the only reason I have made it to this point is because of Jesus. He has carried me, he has sustained me, he has given me the courage and the tenacity to get through this. Um, mistakes were made, I'm genuinely sorry, and I'm moving on, and I have every right to move on. Mm-hmm this point in my life yeah so that is that um our camera's about to die actually so that is the end of this um
0: this will be a five part series possibly six parts in case this is a two i need my Brittany dom bingo card she made reference of a camera issue this video becomes two videos this is the beginning of some
2: pretty intense conversations that i am ready to have as hard as they are so okay well we'll see you guys in the next vlog bye
0: Alrighty, so that video is basically a condensed version of the podcast it was a lot of the same talking points a lot of the same examples jordan chiming in to say similar things which again makes me think her um presenting of being just like really emotionally raw and vulnerable in this moment and like not even knowing where to start or how to you know, progress through telling her side might not be super genuine because again, they recorded the podcast already and gave the same talking points as they are doing in this YouTube video. But regardless of that, so many things, <laughs> so many things happened. Obviously, I gave my thoughts on all of them as they went down throughout the video. I do want to say that As much as I have an issue with Brittany and her online presence and like the things that she chooses to do in her business and with her influence, I don't ever want anyone to feel like because of something in their past, because of a past mistake, they don't deserve to be able to move forward and they have to keep reliving that same mistake over again or paying for it over and over and over. And I think if you're somebody who is watching the the discourse around Britney in a casual way, it can feel like when are you going to let up? Like when are you going to give her a break and let her move on? And like I was saying near the end of her video, now that this settlement has happened, that is a step towards making things right. That is I think realistically at this point the best that that we can expect. This is the best we're going to get. She's not going to find a way to go back and magically make it right for everybody. So we can't, or I can't, I'll speak for me. Now that the settlement has happened, she's agreed to it. She's admitted wrongdoing. I personally will not be like, and she's never done anything to make it right. She did this during her fitness days and she never made it right. I will fully admit that an event has happened that is the closest that we are going to get to her making things right at this point. And so I can't say that she never did anything to make things right. But we can talk about the mistake that was made and if she continues to downplay it and pretend like it wasn't that big of a deal and it wasn't that many people, then I'm going to keep bringing up the fact that it was a big deal, the fact that you were playing with people's health. This wasn't like you promised to send somebody high quality fake eyelashes because Brittany used to sell fake eyelashes. It's not that you promised to send them these amazing lashes and they got like party city lashes that looked awful and they were frustrated. Like in that in that case, in that situation, Yeah, that would be a problem too because you promised somebody something and they didn't get the quality of the thing that they were promised. That's like eyelashes. That's, you know, a, a beauty thing that really might not have that much of an impact on somebody's life other than being frustrating and inconvenient for them to have to handle. Brittany was giving people guidance related to their health. So once again, If she continues to talk about it and downplay it and not fully internalize the impact of her actions because she is trying to shift the blame and downplay what happened and say like, all of these awful things happened to me because I made a little mistake as a 23 year old. People myself included, are going to keep talking about the actions that she actually took and the things that she did. So she can say that she doesn't want to be called a scammer or a fraud or a grifter or whatever anymore. But as long as she keeps talking about it, other people are going to keep talking about it. I think I've been so frustrated throughout this video because I've already like processed my thoughts on these things the first time I heard them in the podcast and I'm like, "Well, no, here's why that doesn't make sense. That's not true. That's th- that's not how that happened." And I had that emotion and the reactions the first time listening to it. Now I'm listening to it again in a video format and I'm like, "We're still saying that? We're still going with this narrative?" I think that's why I'm just like, "I'm done. We're not doing it. That's false. That's a lie. That's misleading." And it's like Got me a little bit worked up. It's time for me to turn it over to you. I wanna hear what you have to say, what your thoughts were. Did you feel like her uh, her video was genuine? Does it make you think about her in a different light or in it maybe it may a more charitable kind of light? What did you think of the settlement? Let me know all that and whatever else you want to share with me in the comment section down below if you're watching the video or you can leave it in the Q&A section for this particular episode if you are listening to the podcast on Spotify. And while you're doing that, if you would consider liking this video or subscribing to my channel or leaving the podcast a rating or review, that would be incredible. And if you've done any of those things already, thank you so much. I am so appreciative of you. And I love being able to just sit here, hang out with you and talk about whatever. Thank you so much for watching. Please be kind to people and I will see you in the next one. Bye.